Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> It's the Late Show with Francie Weatherman. This morning, looking for my shoes, look behind the trunk, found the hesitation blues. Lordy, tell me how long. Lordy, tell me how long. Will I have to wait? Will I have to wait? Can I get you now? Can I get you now? Must I hesitate? Here on Francie and Friends. I know I'm excited. 
I know William. Hey, William. Howdy. How we doing? How excited are you about this episode? Oh, my God. If this were a video call, you'd be seeing me jumping for joy at this point. <laughs> How about you, Tom? How excited are you? Oh, hell yeah. I'd be having a geek freak out here. Are you kidding me, man? You know. <laughs> oh, the Jonathan Ledger novels. Well, I, I'm I guess we can read the last couple few of them, huh? so but I love the ones I read. Yeah. Yeah, we we are going to be talking to one of the most respected writers, author. I mean, this guy, he is so respected in the industry. He has, I mean, New York Times bestselling what five five gram. Okay, okay. Try again. How can how can we get any better than this? I mean, we 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 really can't, and we're really excited that we have him on. Very respected author, and okay, we'll give the secret away. We got Jonathan Mayberry on the show. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) I I gotta tell you, it takes a lot for these guys to go yay. And when I said it, when I mentioned it to you guys, you're like yay. We did it in unison yet too. Uh-huh. We didn't even practice it. We did it in unison. We didn't even rehearse it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It, it's the dynamic of it all. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're we're excited about all the guests, but uh, I think you two were a little giddy with this one. So, and I appreciated that I was able to tell you that, and I'm happy that he's here. And like he mentioned, it's been six years. Oh my gosh, that is a long time. That is yeah. a lost track of time. I'm 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 really happy that he, he that he said okay yeah let's do it again. Oh. <laughs> All right, uh, we got a couple of announcements. Uh, Wednesday, don't forget we got uh, we got. See, I can't even think of any names because I'm really excited to bring Jonathan Mayberry on. We got Yig. All right, let's uh, Nick. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yes, uh, uh, what happened today? Uh, what what did happen today? Let's see. Well, um, we've actually had a long day, and uh, with uh, with this show with Jonathan, it's the cherry on top of the cake. It um, is. Yeah, uh, because uh, we had a camera crew come over. Well, we didn't have them. They they asked, and we invited them uh, with um, um, Northern California Bay Area um, horror hostess, television horror hostess, Miss Misery, um, and uh, she did her Halloween show here uh, with uh, all of her Miss Misery's movie massacre cast and crew, and and uh, Mr. Torture um, uh, came over, and he was part of it. It was really great, and I did a couple of really cool things with uh, um, in front of the camera with Mr. Torture. And you got to see it, though. It's going to air, I believe, 
Miss Misery said that it's going to air on Halloween. Uh, we'll give more details if you go to Miss Misery, I think, dot net. Uh, she also has a Roku channel, Miss Misery's Movie M- Massacre. And also you could find uh, information at Black Bedsheet Books because she's we've published about 12 books of hers so far, and we're getting ready for um, a really good Christmas one, Slasher Girl. And also her uh, her Monsters book series is, like, really great. So, yeah, so um, – and that was, like, an all-day thing. It was really cool. We're still getting ready for Halloween. We're going to open up the backyard. We expect a 1,000 trick-or-treaters. And, um, uh, and these good friends of mine got to see a lot of it in all of its shining glory. They actually stayed until sundown, and I got to get to turn on all the lights in the front and the back and everything. It's – and all the you know stuff that we've been setting up, and we've been doing it all months, and it's not even October yet, and we still have much to do, but we've got a lot done. We're going to um, show pictures of that. Also, uh, we took photos of the whole um, uh, uh, movie uh, massacre uh, Halloween show today, too, so we're going to post photos of that at the Black Bedsheet Books group page on Facebook. So, uh, yeah, and of course we're coming out with books by Fred Weehee, a book by Fred Weehee um, at the end of the month, and Chuck W. Chapman and uh, Carson Buckingham. So we've got those things to look forward to, plus some special Halloween stuff yet to be announced, and some Christmas stuff. And, of course, I'm going to make announcements of new authors um, that I'm signing contracts with that they don't even know yet because I haven't contacted them, but I know who you are. <laughs> and so, and you know, maybe they'll say no, but no, they didn't. You know, so we're going to have some new, a new slew of authors, and uh, and so that's that's really great. Say, I, I want to say this uh, too before I let you guys loose on Jonathan, but I I want to uh, say this like a little note. Um, there was a period about uh, maybe twelve, thirteen, fourteen years ago. When was it? Two thousand six ish. Maybe I'm not sure, seven, eight. Anyway, back then, um, when I was doing a lot of appearances at conventions, um, I uh, came across Jonathan. He gave me a copy of his book, Ghost Road Blues. A paperback copy signed it for me. I brought it home and I read it because back in those days I was doing a lot of reviews um, and, and stuff. So, and this was one of them. And, you know, as a book reviewer, let alone a publisher, back in that day, when I read Ghost Road Blues, um, you could kind of see when you read so many books and stuff, especially by up-and-coming or new authors, uh, you, you kind of get a feel uh, if this person needs a little bit more, we're going to see what he does over the years. Um, sometimes you get a feeling that this is somebody that's exciting, that's going to be accomplishing a lot. And it turns out that I was right, that actually, you know, uh, uh, with that, I mean, just uh, if you if you actually, in my opinion, want to do, uh, want to introduce yourself to Jonathan Mayberry's writing, um, and you, you haven't yet, uh, it's probably a good idea to start where I did at the beginning, start with Ghost Road Blues. He might say otherwise, but uh, that's my opinion, because that's how I started with this stuff, and um, uh, he continues to amaze. Uh, so, yep. Yeah. So I'll stop right there. I'll probably I got a couple of memories with him, like in Toronto. Uh, later on, I, I want to bring up. But okay, Francie, take her away. All right. Are we are we are we ready? 
Are we ready for the man of the hour? Oh, yeah, we're ready. Yep. We're ready. Are you sure? Do you think you can handle all the greatness that's about to happen? Yep. Yep. All right. Yep. We're, Without we're, any we're, we're, further ado, hey, Jonathan, how you doing? Hi, Francie. I'm doing great. And uh, that was uh, that was some build-up you guys gave me. You guys have low standards. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. We have the highest of standards, and well, at times. But no, we we really do mean this. We we really do mean this. In fact, uh, Jonathan, I I would tell everybody I was like, hey, we got Jonathan Mayberry coming. Like people I'm talking to casually, they're like, oh, what the? Heck? We even had Jason Gaylord on, and you know, Jason Jason Gaylord was like, Jonathan Mayberry, wow. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. You you are without a doubt one of the most respected writers of uh, amongst writers. If you just say Jonathan Mayberry, everybody wow. Honestly, that's yeah. that's the reaction that I've always gotten about you whenever I talk well, that's, about that's, it. Uh, that's not unnerving at all to hear that. It's like uh, okay. Yeah. See if I can live up. <laughs> but I, I do appreciate the kind words. I, I, I truly do, and, and it's it's nice to know that, that people are are enjoying the, the crazy things I write and having a little fun with me along the way. So that's that's wonderful. Yeah. No, I think it, that's that's the thrill of the whole voyage itself. Yeah. Without a doubt. So. Well, thank you very much. That's re- really, really kind of you guys. Oh, no problem. So, so, let me, let me you in, man. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. How have you been? I've been insanely busy. Um, the, these last years have blurred quite a bit. Um, I feel a bit like I'm ankle chained to my desk because I'm writing all the time. And I think I'm probably the only person moderately happy that that uh, we have social isolation because I've just been able to stay home and write. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not happy why there's social isolation, but, you know, it's, it's making lemonade out of lemons, you know. Um, if I have to stay home and can't go out and visit, you know, I go to conferences and visit the people that I like seeing at those events, I'll stay at home and write something they can read while they're in isolation. I, I didn't. I never thought about that. That's that's something because yeah. you know we do know a lot. I never thought about the writers. Yeah, I'll stay home. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, these, last, these last couple of years have actually been the most productive of my life, and I've been pretty busy to begin with. But I've been knocking out um, uh, roughly uh, a novel every three months since oh, wow. COVID started. Wow. So yeah. that's great. Each taking discipline. That's a lot of discipline also. Yeah. Honestly, and it's a lot of I don't turn the advances, but uh now, the, the discipline thing is, is, is I mean I'm being facetious, but the discipline thing is is a uh, interesting part of this because I learned I didn't go to school to learn to be a novelist. I went to school to be a journalist. I wanted to be the investigative reporter that broke the big story and was, you know, Famously, 
arrested at, at anti-nuke rallies and that, all that sort of stuff. I wanted to be one of those guys. So I went to school, Temple University School of Journalism, um, did really well and did not at, in, at all go into writing that sort of thing. Uh, about um, halfway through college, I started getting interested in writing magazine feature articles. From there, I, I started writing nonfiction textbooks, mostly about martial arts and self-defense because I went up teaching that at Temple University, so I wrote a bunch of those. And um, somehow wandered down a side street, and now I write horror novels, science fiction, thrillers, <laughs> and other stuff. And not entirely sure how it happened. I didn't wind up uh, actually writing for newspapers. I well, did I not mean, you know, But I, I guess in yeah. one sense it's, it's kind of a, a fair balance, though, because your works are featured and profiled in the newspapers. So it could be the next best thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, and and that's that's kind of a cool thing, you know. Uh, I just wish I had gotten around to writing fiction um, a few decades sooner. My first novel didn't come out till I was forty-eight, and uh, you know I've just been hustling to keep up. I finished my my forty-fourth novel on Tuesday of last week. So forty-four. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Even So, um, I I I think that's part of the journalism thing, though. I, I studied journalism uh, at Temple University, and my professor, who probably previously worked for the Gestapo or something, was this guy who was, I mean, we all hated him during class because he was just, you know, write it now, write it fast, write it fast. And, you know, it was all basically pressure. And then years later, when I realized that I'm able to knock out a novel, you know, every few months, that I wish I could find him and buy him a cup of coffee or, you know, um, because really did genuinely taught me skills that have served me well throughout every part of my writing career, and I hated him at the time. I would have happily fed him to to a tank of piranha back in school. I mean, like gleefully, I would have laughed maniacally while doing it, and I would have I would have had the support of everybody else in his class. But the guy's a saint. Damn, we'll figure. Funny old world. Well, I mean, I'm. You know, I'm, I'm, no, no, that that definitely uh, opens up the door to ask the ten million dollar question. Yeah. I guess were there any epic death scenes, character wise, that were that was inspired by you twenty years ago when you were you know, when you were attending the uh, the college class and stuff like that? I I didn't kill off any of the people I knew in college in in my books. I have since killed off a hell of a lot of people that I know and a lot of people I'm good friends with. But uh, I haven't gotten around to my college college friends. Um, and I still got plenty of books to write, so they're not safe. They're not safe at all. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. One, one thing I got to ask, and, uh, you know, I, I, I actually wrote a book, it, it, you know, Anyways, my my thing is is my first killing in my book was an ex boyfriend. I didn't use the full name; I just used the first name. Have you ever like killed off an ex? Um, I have not. Uh, oh. There there are a couple that I have toyed with the idea of doing that, but. It's a funny thing. A few years ago, I decided, like, consciously to give up all, all old grudges. Somebody was just carrying freight that I didn't need to, you know, lug around with me. And it's weird. Ever since then, people that 
you know, I had had some acrimony with back in the day. It's like called me out of the blue to say, hey, you know, kind of sorry for what happened. Wonder if we can bury the hatchet. But it's not like I put out a, a put out the word that I'm, you know, burying old hatchets. It's just, you know, maybe the universe grabbed it and said, hey, you know, let's let's just smooth all this out. Now, but all that said, I have done horrible things to close friends in my book. In uh, <laughs> Well, you, you only hurt the one you love. Um, so I did a, I did this, this Punisher, I did some Punisher uh, comics for Marvel, and in one of them, the Punisher was up against a, a, a porn ring. You know, it was a snuff film ring, and there was one character there named uh, Dirtbox, who uh-huh. was a reprehensible child molesting scumbag. But I gave him the name of a friend of mine who is one of the nicest human beings in the world. He's he's a Quaker. God help me. I, I turned a Quaker into a, you know, a, a child blessing scumbag. I used his name, and, you know, I, I did it kind of as a joke, because we, we were all in the comics. I thought he'd be mildly offended, but it would be an anecdote to tell. He went out and bought, like, tons of copies of that and gave them to all his friends, his Quaker friends. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming at all, because wow. part of that comic that is safe for anyone who's up here like maybe 60 years old and even then he needs a parental note and he's he's out there buying it for his his, his kids you know it's like <laughs> well, <laughs> well I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this but you know and that's definitely one of, one of the best issues punisher wise so hats yeah. off to you for it yeah I, I had a lot of fun with that and the uh, the editor who hired me for that had told me, you know, he wanted me to go over the top. Now, I'm, I'm just going to go back to it. I hadn't read, I had stopped reading comics around 1990, and this this was 2008. So it's been, a, it's been a while since I read comics, and I hadn't known that there was a, a very hard R version, R-rated version of the Punisher called Punisher Max. When they yep. asked me if I would want to do a Punisher Max story, I thought Punisher Max was the name of a character. And um, I said, well, you know, you, you say it's for adults. How how rough do you want me to get? And they he, they kept saying, over the top, just go over the top, completely over the top. And I'm thinking, all right, well, I can go over the top. I sent it, sent it in, and I get a call, like a panicked call from my editor. It's like, what the hell are you doing? We can't ever publish this. Are you out of your mind? I said, you over the and they're like, not, not like get us right pumped up on, on, on charges. You got, you know. So the version that you read, which is still pretty pretty edgy, is the watered-down version of that. Oh, well, you my. You can imagine the original version was. Um, yeah, Marvel, Marvel, writing for Marvel was fun. <laughs> I got to tell well, you, I mean, John, I'm, a, um, I'm different. I, I, I basically kill off people that have pissed me off or ex-friends that just use, like, Francie, that they use for their first name only and then change the character enough to where that you know can't sue you for something. But boy, I don't know. I take great satisfaction in killing off people that are that were once friends or or now you know on the shit list, so to speak. Yeah. Now, one funny thing, and this this one really surprised me the first time it happened is, you know, different conventions and and, and so on. They they often have fundraisers, often to, to fund scholarships for other people to go to the conventions. Uh-huh. And they have auctions, and you know, I, you know, often will say, okay, I'll auction off a, a character. You know, whoever wins gets to be a character in the book. 
And they can then decide whether they want to be a good guy or a bad guy or, or whatever. And what I'm surprised at is how many people not only want to be in the book, but to be a character killed off in some <laughs> gruesome way. And like, they want, they, yeah, like it, it's so crazy. There's even a comedian um, who won, won one of these contests, Tom Segura. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a, he's a great stand-up comic, one of the top in our business right now. And he won a contest early on to, to, to be – the contest was how do you want to die in a zombie apocalypse? He wanted to die doing stand-up comedy. So um, he has mm-hmm. a, a, a gruesome death in my novel, Fall of Night. And when he does stage shows, sometimes he'll pull out a copy of the book and like, yeah, I fucking my zombies. What have you done? You know, and it's, it's nuts. It's, it's truly nuts. I mean – you would think I would have thought that people wouldn't want to die horribly in a book, but no, they're they're just as crazy as I am, and maybe a little more. So, I want to get mentioned in a book, first of all, and you're a great author, so I wouldn't, you know, I'd be kind of like an honor, a badge of honor in a way, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would personally find it. I'm surprised at how many, surprised and delighted at how many other people find it fun to die in, in not only, you know, painful ways, but often truly humiliating ways. And, um, they're, you know, they're like, yeah, bring it on. Like, okay, you guys are a little <laughs> weird, but, but I'll kill you. I'm here for well, I want to die in some disgusting way that you can't tell your younger children. I'm, I'm, I'm your man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, think of it like this. This is the literary equivalent of the celebrity roasts. You know, <laughs> Sometimes yeah. literally roasting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But, hey, it, whatever. And it is kind of fun. I mean, there, uh, in my latest Joe Ledger novel, uh, Relentless, there's a woman who, who won a celebrity auction, and she kept outbidding everyone to win that. And um, she wanted she wanted to be a good guy, but she wanted a heroic death, a big messy heroic death. So I uh, I, I blew the hell out of her in, in a big explosion. Of good guy. Got that big, big death that she she died a hero. Now people are telling me I'm, they're sorry I killed her off. They wanted more story with her. I'm like, you got to speak to her and maybe hold a séance to be able to do it. But. Yeah. <laughs> There are a lot of parts about his career that are just surreal. About being a being a writer, it's, it's, it is a freaky job, but fun. I I, I think that everybody here would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think those are great stories. I would have never imagined those stories. I thought that was absolutely amazing to hear. It's kind of like yeah. the behind the scenes of Jonathan Mayberry. <laughs> yeah, me, me sitting around, you know, thinking about how I want to very uh, horribly kill good people that I know. I'm a therapist should make a career out of myself. <laughs> One thing that I have noticed And You know It's nothing against comedians I know a lot of comedians And they're they're happy-go-lucky too But it seems like horror writers Are 
a lot more funnier than comedians when you talk to them. They're a lot more happier. Would well, you agree? Do you think it's... I was going to say, is it because... I, I, I think it's because of the gallows humor. Yeah, oh, yeah well, part of it yeah. is, quite frankly, part of it is catharsis. We, we, the reason that uh, horror writers have a good sense of humor is also the reason that a lot of them are really well-balanced, they're good family people, um, have a fairly low divorce rate among other writers. We get it out. You know, we, we, we have these dark, weird things in our heads and we write them out. And unlike the real world, we can give, you know, those dark things a good third act. We can we can resolve it so that, you know, it doesn't own up. Like sometimes if it comes out of a dream or something, you know, you're carrying something around with you neg- negatively all day. Whereas a writer can just sit down and write that out and it's no longer in our heads. You know, so you, you write a couple of good chapters, kill some friends off in a chapter. That's, that's worth a good therapy bill. Yeah. yeah. Well, plus horror is fun. Let's face it, it's fun. It is. It's like a little to write on pages, you know? Yeah, I am a big fan of the genre. I'm a big fan of, uh, well, you know, I I know a lot of people in the genre, and I'm just about to step down from the board of the Horror Writers Association, so I I love being part of the thing that, that, you know, helps keep our industry going and and keep it a family and keep it self-supporting. Yeah, that, that was yeah. going to be another thing I was going to say is that all the horror writers, like you you just talked about, is it is a family. You guys all support each other. It's not a matter, I'm going to sell more books than you. Oh, uh, did this person did this late at night. You guys don't do that. You guys no. do support each other. We, we, we do, and we also realize that um, you know, it's it's so not a competition. Um, pu- publishing is difficult. We all know it's difficult for everyone. You know, some of it is you, somebody getting lucky. Some of it is is you being in the right place at the right time, or maybe writing the book that speaks to the audience. But we're all going through shit. We're all dealing with all kinds of stresses. So we don't. Since we know all that, we don't need to spend a lot of time talking about that. You know, it's like yeah, we get it. We'll take it as read. Yeah. How about we talk about what's going to get us out of that? What's going to take us to the next level? Maybe, you know, share some tips back and forth and see if what I know can help you and what you know can help me. I have found that it is so much more of a um, mutually supportive collective than it is a um, a group of people trying to fight for uh, attention and fight fight for that that one space. So, yeah, I love the horror writers community. they, They are my truest family within the writing world. Wow. Oh, and you definitely can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that's Horror awesome. Writers Association. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great um, <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. I've you know, I, I've been uh um uh writing horror professionally since the eighties and I've been to conventions, I've been through um the um associations that you can belong to and uh, all kinds of the whole nine yards. Um, uh, the thing that has always impressed me the most is uh, among genres, uh, and it still kind of even surprises me to this day, although I'm used to it, is that um, people that do write horror that get their angst out on paper. 
um, uh, and and have fun with it. Um, uh, tend to be some of the most loving, um, uh, like uh, incompetitive people, uh, just like yeah. Jonathan was talking about. I, I say that a lot too. It's a, it's a, it's it's just something that's um, it's really important. One, and I don't like to diss other ones other genres but i've been to some like science fiction really heavy trekkie conventions where there seems to be clicks everywhere <laughs> not that i mean i love the genre and everything but this it is what it is and when you compare that with with people that um that actively write especially the writers not necessarily the hollywood people but the ones that actually write it down and get them published into print um Seem to be like uh, the the best kind of people that I've ever and I grew up in church. The best kind of, kinds of people, the kindest types um, in the industry, and uh, it's it's just really amazing. And Jonathan is a big example of that. He, he's been uh, around uh, for a little while now. Um, and uh, he he knows the ropes, and he knows the people. He knows everybody, and it's just exactly what what you said, Jonathan, about um, the the whole horror niche about the and and they're devoted fans. It's just yeah. and and you know you could have you could have started to write like mystery novels or romance novels or. Or um, you know anything else, but you you found your niche right at the get go, right at the get go. You found your niche. I do play outside that niche though. Um, oh but yeah, I, but, yeah. But, I mean that's your favorite, isn't it? It is, and it's my home. You know, I anytime I want to reconnect with people that I I feel get who I am, and or who simply offer no judgment, it's the horror crowd. I, I, I never feel judged. I never feel that they're going to look at me like I'm a weirdo um, because we're all weirdos in the, in the horror field. And that's, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm loving ones. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, we, we can look at each other and go, "You're not right, are you?" And, and they'll say, "No, I'm not." We're like, "Cool," you know. That, yeah. That's, kind of that's a good way of putting it. Um. But um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm stepping outside that. I've got a, my first epic fantasy novel coming out in May. I'm really excited about that. Um, and that's, but it has horror elements to it. Cthulhu shows up because why wouldn't I put Cthulhu in an epic fantasy novel? <laughs> well, you, you definitely uh, caught my attention with the phrase epic fantasy. So, uh, um, oh are, yeah. Can you? Uh, what, are, are, can you go ahead and maybe give us a little taste of what we can expect? Uh, yeah, maybe even just a long line? Well, the series is called Cake in the Damned, and it uh, deals with a, a soldier who wakes up uh, drunk and in a horse bed during the invasion of his country. And, you know, the, he was off duty, but he really feels that he should have been always on call to protect everyone. And as a result, bad, very bad things happening happen. The, the nation falls, and his gods literally turn their back on him. And oh. um, so, you know, he is truly taken to them. But there's a lot more to the story than that. And um, I had a lot of fun writing this book. The way it, the way it happened is uh, my, edit, my editor for my Joe Ledger books contacted me. He had just come out of a, uh, out of a um, uh, meeting with um, 
the uh, marketing people, you know, where they talk around, sit around like, well, this is what's going to, this is what we need, you know, for, to make this market share and, you know, get a piece of that market, whatever. And they, they, they decided that they really needed some epic fantasy, but none of the editors knew someone who was writing epic fantasy who wasn't already tied up with another uh, imprint. So my editor, who kind of knows that I'll try nearly anything because I kind of can't say no to something fun, um, he reached out to me and said, hey, well, you know, this is what we're talking about. We'd like to do some epic fantasy, but uh, we don't know anyone in that space. Do you think you might want to give it a try? And I'm like, sure, I can give it a try. Because I, I have taken a lot of, they're not quite dares, but I've taken a lot of challenges over the years. And um, Good. he gave me, we, we struck a deal, and, um, well, him and my agent. And I was off and running, and I wrote it this year. It took me a little over three months to write it. Um, and it's, a, it's almost a 176,000-word book. So it's, it's definitely my longest book. I had a friggin' blast writing it, and I just got a cover quote from Michael Moorcock. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, my. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I sent it to him. And, uh, he doesn't give cover quotes. You know, it's like you no, he doesn't. And he gave me a killer, killer quote. James Rollins, the thriller writer, gave me a quote. Shauna McGuire gave me one. And Kevin J. Anderson gave me one. So oh, wow. um, right now, Robin, Hood, Robin Hobb and Tamora Pierce are reading the books right, book right now. But it doesn't come out oh, so much. And, uh, it, while writing it, I realized that I should have been doing this as well as horror for years because it was way too much friggin' fun. I mean, it oh, was yeah. so much fun. And, you know, of course, you know, being the editor of Weird Tales, I was able to bring in some things that are in Weird Tales, like Cthulhu and, and that sort of thing. And that was, a, that was a whole bunch of fun right there. Wow. Without a doubt. I mean, you know, you, you could never go wrong with playing around with Lovecraft. That's for sure. No. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Jonathan, did, did yeah. you just say that you were the editor of Weird Tales? I am. I am. I am the you moderate. Are. I did not know that. I did not know that. I don't know why I don't know that, but that that's a surprise to me. That, that actually, that's. Uh, I've always loved weird tales. <laughs> I, I don't have much time to read anymore, except for submissions for people that want to be published as a publisher and, and stuff. I have very little time to actually read for fun like I used to. And Weird Tales was one of my favorite magazines. I, I uh, That's news to me. That's Wow, how did well, you get that gig? Um, I, I have a Hollywood producer friend who uh, knew that I loved you know, to read that magazine and read other things, you know, when I was younger, and um, that I was a big fan of, of the run when Ann Vandermeer was editing it. Um, and um, since Hollywood people are involved to a degree in ways that I cannot completely describe for you at the moment for because of non-disclosure agreements, but there's some Hollywood people involved in it, and they wanted someone on board who um, would not only you know know, know the material, but maybe bring a little um, new blood to it, new, new vision to it. Part of the thing is Weird Tales has always been a great magazine. But it has not always been um, free of some of the issues that have followed magazines like that from the pulp years. For example, there are some stories in there. I mean, much as I love H.P. Lovecraft and, and um, uh, what do you call it, uh, 
Robert E. Howard, if you read some of their stories now, I mean, there's, there's some pretty heavy racism and misogyny and sexism in there that makes it a little harder for a new audience to, to grab. It's a little, little easier if you grow up with it, but kind of a little hard to, to stomach some of it now, especially with, with Lovecraft. Who, oh yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. When you look at it in hindsight, when you grow up with it, you don't know. But times yeah. change, and then you start looking at things in a different light. Yeah, uh, same same thing with, with uh, um, Edgar Rice Burroughs. You know, everything he wrote was a white guy went in there, and suddenly was the toughest person in the world, and had to save all the people of whatever color skin they were. And it and it was of an era, but we're not in that era. So right. I, you know, and I know other mm-hmm. editors since have, have toned a lot of that down. Ann Vandermeer did a great job. I mentioned her before. She's, I think, the finest editor Weird Tales ever had. So they, they reached out originally to ask me to write a story for Weird Tales. And I'm like, of course I'm going to write a story for Weird Tales. I've got a dream <laughs> of mine to write for Weird Tales. Of course. So yeah. I, and I went up Epic Fantasy short story. Um, and they liked it so much, they came back to me about a week and a half after I turned the story in and said, Hey, would you like to actually edit Weird Tales? And I was like, "Wait, what?" And I said, "Yeah, we, we you know we uh, the editor who we have is um, very old and very sick, and has since died, by the way. Um, oh, wow. and uh, we need someone to come in and um, and essentially give it a new a new personality. Like, well, I'll do it under the under the uh, the following restrictions. Now, mind you." I'm I'm still in the oh my god they just asked me to edit weird tales phase. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what fascinated me about that. I I didn't know, and that's and it must be like a real honor now. How long have you been doing it? Well, I I, uh, I had two issues out, and we hit a second snag right after my second issue. My first issue I was I was called editorial director, and then they promoted me to editor. Um, so I'm the I'm the editor now of weird tales. However, aside from the editor, a full former editor who died, our principal financial backer died. So that killed us for almost two years. Just, I mean, uh, honestly, we oh, that's years. But we are very, very, very close to signing a deal with a, a major publisher to not only you know, keep uh, Weird Tales running for years and years, but also to start a, a, a novel imprint of Weird Tales. And oh, hopefully we'll God. be great that news <laughs> soon. Um, but yeah, my second issue is out. And, and to give you an idea of, of some of the writers, in the first issue, we had Victor Laval, who you know is, is a fantastic writer. He took one of Poe's most racist stories and rewrote it from the point of view of the black character. And it, is a, it draws blood. It's so powerful. Um, Jordan Peele and Spike Lee are both in it. Um, oh wow! Sterling Kenyon, Hank Schwabel, Josh Malerman, who did Bird Box, um, Stephanie Wojtovich, and others. The second issue, which is the one, first one, of mine is full editor. We have Shona McGuire, Dacre Stoker, the, the grand nephew of Tom Stoker, wrote a Renfield story. Oh so we wow! We have Joe Lansdale, oh, Lee wow. Mason, Gabriel Faust, Weston Oaks, Lee Murray, um, and then the next issue, we got a bunch of other. Um, uh, Fran Wilde and Amakatsu, Priya Sharma, Maurice Broadus, a bunch of folks. The issue I'm most looking forward to is going to be our winter issue. And after, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Michael Moorcock had given me that beautiful cover quote that he gave me, 
I flat out asked him, I said, look, uh, I don't know if you know, but I'm editing Weird Tales magazine. Is there any chance I could get something for you for Weird Weird Tales? And he's like, wow. yeah, funny you should ask. I, I have a, a new Elric novel coming out for the 60th anniversary of Elric, and we'd love it to be in Weird Tales. You know, I'll give you an excerpt. I'm like, fuck yeah. And I reached out to Neil Gaiman, I reached out to Neil Gaiman who gave a short essay to, about uh, Michael Moorcock that we're going to put in there, too. So we've got Neil Gaiman, Michael Moorcock, Kevin J. Anderson, and a bunch of other folks in, in uh, what's going to be our, our first themed issue, a sword and sorcery issue. And um, then after that, I think, we, I think we have a Hell... The issue after that, we'll have a Hellboy story by Mike Mignola and Chris Golden with a Hellboy cover cover. Oh. And we'll do a no. um, uh, one one more that, that, that's coming up. Uh, well, these are all next year. Will be an, uh, an occult detective issue with a cover story uh, by um, uh, Laura K. Hamilton, one of her Anita Blake stories. So wow. I'm not, now, I'm not uh, too low for this. I've been I've been curating it by by going after like the top people I know who are not only good writers, but are demonstrably not assholes, because I, I don't work with prima donnas. I only work with people that I think are good people. I, and, I was um, going to say, uh, right? Michael with Hellboy, he's like one of the nicest guys you can ever meet. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Mike and you, yeah, we uh, uh, hung out with him, uh, piled around at a couple of conventions, especially a couple of the ones where uh, uh, it, it would be like Sunday afternoon, nobody's there. And we would just like talk and everything. It is a great, a great talent too. I mean, Hellboy is just damn, you know. But I mean, um, uh, imagine, imagine any writer that's listening. Um, imagine getting a phone call from uh, uh, Jonathan Mayberry saying that I would love to accept your short story for Weird Tales. It's like a double whammy. It's like Jonathan yeah. Mary. Oh. And weird tales. <laughs> like, yeah. It, it would, it would, it I mean, would be know, like I mean. William and Tom when uh, I said William and Tom, we got thrown from the river. Yes. Now, John, I'm so happy they, they, they brought me on for Weird Tales. I intend to, I have a lot of fun things I want to do with it, and you know, uh, once this novel imprint is is uh, launched and announced, we'll also you know be opening doors for uh, writers of all levels, from absolute beginners all the way up to the, the very top pros. We'll be buying material from them for um, you know for our, our, our book line as well. So it's one of those win-win situations, and it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Cool. Well, uh, kind of expanding on on Nick's uh, last uh, statement there. What um, you know for for the for the writers and the and even the aspiring writers uh, that listen to the show, what uh, what is the what is what is the uh, submission process now for Weird Tales? Is it still uh, the standard pitch or? No, no. Well, right now it's 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 a little careful because you know until the uh, this. New deal comes through, and we have you know full funding. I've been very careful in selecting you know certain stories by writers who not only did I know would turn out a good story, but ones who who would have the patience to wait while our finances are sorted out. Um, and I've been so I've been curating everything. Once the thing opens up 
so that we're doing, you know, more issues a year, hopefully uh, four to six issues a year. There will be a submission window, you know, of, of probably a couple of weeks announced uh, through the Facebook page for Weird Tales, through my own social media pages, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll take submissions there. Now, we did one experimental open call last year where we had exactly one slot open in the magazine. And I was hoping, you know, we advertised that there will be an open slot for a week. And um, we were hoping to get, I don't know, um, 100 stories to read. We got 10,241 stories to read. Wow. Oh, boy. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of people did not get get personalized rejection letters. Um, It it was such a huge response that it shocked us all. So from now on, when we do our open calls, what I'll be looking for are one-paragraph pitches for the story. And um, those will be – now, since I'm talking to you guys and your friends, I can give you a little bit of an insider thing. Um, We are looking not only for – you know, I said these kinds of stories. We're also looking for characters that can be launched – in Weird Tales, who would then be reco- recurring characters, like like Conan oh, was, wow. Cthulhu, Gerald wow. Mary, um, because mm. that that's going to be that's going to open those writers up to um, opportunities with our new uh, uh, book publishing arm. So great! There, you know, wow, that's cool. Idea to start start putting together some pitches, one paragraph pitches. The next two issues. So we, we've got. The next one is done. The sword and sorcery one is just about done. Two issues after that, where we will probably be having an open call, will be um, a cult detective is one theme, and the other one will be cosmic horror. Oh, wow. Yeah. Put your thinking caps on. Yeah. I I, I felt Tom and William putting on their caps. (laughs) Oh yeah, I've already got one short story I'm super proud of. It's my uh, I, I wrote it in the style of uh, Ron Serling, so it's it's cool. very very uh, night gallery esque, you know. So, all right, that's intriguing. Thank you. Yeah, right. it's, uh, it, 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 it was it was it was a fun little uh, project that I did. Um, but when I was uh, actually attending uh, Full Sail, I was uh, I, I actually had uh, Sydney Williams was my uh, professor, which uh, was the second time I was a fanboy while attending college. <laughs> so, <laughs> full full sale. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about that one. I got science fiction stuff, but I also got a lot of horror stuff. So I gotta kind of think about that one. <laughs> you know, I, these days. These days, um, uh, I, I've kind of learned a little bit, and I never know if I'm right. It's just intuition but or feeling. But, uh, I mean, um, uh, you guys are talking about submitting to Weird Tales now that we've, um, like, uh, fleshed out the whole onion of Jonathan's uh, involvement in everything. And, of yeah. course, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm going, I would love to be part of that, too. But what I've learned is to actually start with not um, a a game plan 
on uh-huh. who's going to publish this, who you want to like uh, submit to, and everything. Just start with the story, and and flesh it out and do it. And then once you have uh, it either almost finished or finished, uh, and it's all clear exactly what it is, you figure out okay, who do you think is best to submit this to? Who would like this kind of a story? And then you kind of go from there. Uh, yeah. you know, if somebody called me up and said Nick Wright for like a certain something something, then then that would be something else. But um, uh, it's always best. And, and I've noticed that um, uh, that that uh, publishers, especially magazine publishers, are um, uh, they kind of um, appreciate that. I think. Am I right or am I close? It, it depends. I mean, if you're if you're writing something and you you just want to dive into the story and just be with that story with with uh, no no other pulls on it creatively, then it's definitely a great idea. But if you're writing for something for a magazine, you you want to keep in mind what that magazine publishes and and who publishes it and what what their their vision is. Every every yeah. editor every editor has has a vision for their magazine. And for me, for Weird Tales, mine's mine's pretty pretty clear vision. I mean, you can go creatively any all over the places, but it's got to fit in Weird Tales magazine. And I recommend that people read the magazine, either my current version of it or the older versions of it, especially as I mentioned before, the Anne Vandermeer era, or even some of the classic ones, and um, get a real sense for what makes it weird as we see weird. And uh, oh. that leaves a lot of creative freedom. A whole lot of creative freedom that has come up. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Interesting. I like it. I, yeah. I, I, oh, oh, Francie? Oh, I was going to say, I like it. I like the way that you put that. That I think that you put that in, uh, like, straightforward terms. That's what we want. Yeah. You've got to produce it. Give it to me, and we'll we'll see. I, I, I like I like works. the way that you put that. Yeah. And yeah, that's probably the most straightforward <laughs> way I've ever heard anybody say, yeah, okay, submit to me. You know, nothing again. I'm not talking about you, Nick. I'm talking about like, you know, okay, give me, give me what you got. Okay. Did you read us? That's what we want. Yeah. I, I think that's great what you just said. I thought that that yeah. hit the nail. Right, that hit the nail right on the head. Yeah, well, we're not around. <laughs> it, it's important, you know, considering that editors often know a lot more about their issue than you do. So, you know, if if you give everyone a completely free hand, you might wind up with too many stories that are similar in one way or another to the other stories, or too many stories that are are just not right for the magazine and. Every magazine has its has its personality, has its flavor, and there's definitely mm-hmm. a weird tales flavor. And, um, you know, I've done two issues so far that I'm ex- you know extremely proud of, and it's because I picked writers who know how to work within the structure of that. Um, it's not surprising that there's a number of people involved in the media tie-in world who I would I would you know I, I consider grabbing because they're used to writing in some to a degree in someone else's world. So they're used to, to having to follow certain rules, but not so rigidly that they, they lose their own creative voice. And we want 
We certainly want strong original creative voices in our in our books. Nice. Oh yeah. Hey, you know, yeah. I, I, that, that brings up a question uh, uh, just offhandedly. I might change the subject a little bit, but have you done any media tie-ins, any novels for movies or anything? <laughs> I am. Uh, first of all, the, 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 the quick answer is uh, yeah, yeah. I'm the president of the International Association of Media Tie-in Writers. Um, yeah, wow. I've, I've, uh, my first New York Times bestseller was the novelization of The Wolfman. Um, oh, I yeah, have, that's right. That, yeah. that is right. Yes. Yeah, I yes, I know that so well. I, I remember that when you uh, announced that on social media back then. Yeah, that's right. But to give you an idea of some of the licenses I've worked on, I've written stories, Hellboy, Chud, uh, Space, True Blood, um, Wizard of Oz, John Carter of Mars, and just on and on. And, on. and of course, the Aliens and Predators. I, I edited the Aliens Bug Hunt anthology and Sometimes when a company like Fox owns, owns that license, the Aliens license, if the writer is a bestseller, they sometimes ask the writer to add a story to their own anthology, which I do not like doing. But um, So I went doing a story for that. And the same thing happened when Brian Thomas Schmidt and I got the gig to, to edit the Aliens versus Predator anthology that's coming out in December. They wanted us each to write stories for it. So I don't know if you guys ever saw the Alien or Predator movies. So, oh, yeah. Um, yep. fun what I did. My favorite of the, of the Predator films is the one Predators, the third one, where they're trapped in the alien world and they have to, uh, you know, all, the, all these, these killers have to fight for the life in the alien world. There was a... I like that one a lot, that, too. Yeah, there's back in that movie named Louis Ozawa Cheng Chen, who played a Yakuza character. Yeah. Um, his yep. character's killed in the movie, and I, I, I propose that he and I take uh, him, create a character based on his younger brother, who is also a Yakuza, and bring him to that world and see what happens there. And I had a, you know, he and I co-wrote that together, so that was a whole bunch of fun. So that, that can yeah, be I love that one. And, yeah, yeah. After the first, it, the original it, it, one, it, it, I, it, that's my favorite one. It's, it's for some reason underappreciated. I'm not sure exactly why. I don't know I, either, because right? that was really good. I mean, I, I, I think it's one of those. I think it's one of those ones where uh, you know the, the people were more surprised to see Adrian Brody in, in the uh, in the in an action film like this. Yeah, but he was also real yeah. too. I mean, I yeah, I mean, he didn't look. He handled the action True. real well, and it seemed like. Yeah. A, um, a pretty capable fighter and a sociopath. So, you know, yeah, worked out pretty well. Um, yeah. There's still the idea of a sequel, going back to that world. But I don't know if we'll ever get Adrian Brody again. But um, I, had a, I had a lot of fun with it. And I've also written stories in the Predator universe for, for my friends' anthologies. So it's, you know, I, I've done a lot of media tie-in work. And being president of that organization, I'm always looking for ways to, to bring, you know, my colleagues and friends into that. One of my other books in that, in that, well, I edited X Files anthologies, three of those actually. I edited, I wrote the official story of Dana Scully as a teenager, um, partly on the request of of um, Chris Carter, who created the show, because I edited the anthologies, and we were talking about um, uh, Dana Scully, and I, I 
kind of gave an offhand suggestion for what might have been her backstory. And he's like, yeah, you've got to write that. So I, that became the official story of Dana Scully as a teenager. So I've done a lot of media tie-in work, and I love it. Wow. I mean, you know, and, you know, and you know, without yeah. a doubt, I mean, you, you know how to definitely emulate the voice and, uh, and, and, and work off of, off of the, uh, the story Bible. So, I mean, it's, it's great, you know, to see how, what, what you, you know, how you can weave it and, uh, you know, just the contributions that you put to it. So without yeah. a doubt, it's fantastic. Uh-huh. And, and I love it. I, I love that. I love all those, those kinds of challenges, you know, when I'm changing genre or doing something different, you know, sometimes something comes out of the blue and some writers are afraid to try something new. So they, they say, nah, it's not for me. I'm, I'm kind of like that kid from the old life commercials, you know, give it to Mikey. He'll try anything. Well, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm that kid. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll try. If it looks like it's going to be fun, I'm in for sure. If it looks and- like I have to work with a bunch of prima donnas who are, you know, all about themselves and, and, and so on, I'm out. So it, it's got to be a fun project. Um, you know, my agent wants you to have money attached to it, and I need to have a hell of a lot of fun doing it or, or I won't. So but once, once they, find, they find out that you're kind of willing to try a little of everything, it's amazing the number of projects that, that are turfed over in your direction. Well, I mean, I yeah, Part of the pun, that, but you and you and I are in the same boat on that part. Um, you know, I'm I'm that, almost all my books are so varied, uh, except for my Titanic stuff and my fantasy series. I always bounce genres around, and you know, it's just me mm-hmm. actually just trying to see if I can actually write that particular genre. And you know, I always tell people, you know, at the end of the day, even if it didn't sell, at least I could say I tried and I put the effort into yeah. it. So I, I think that's probably what people need to understand is just them. try it. Try yeah. it. Yeah, if you, exactly. if, you, if you fail. Well, the thing is, I mean, people don't try, but they also, uh, because they're afraid of failing, but they have no proof at all that they would fail. So why not try? Exactly. Well, I was saying. I have a saying, I go, the only real failure in life is a failure to try. You might not be successful in your endeavor, but that's not failure. I mean, it's definitely failure if you don't try. Exactly. I was going to say, the the worst failure you can do is that you don't try. Yeah. Yeah. That's the worst failure of all. 100% of the time that you don't try. Yep. I will I say, mean, though, I tried onions, and I don't like onions. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a little different with food. But, uh, different. You know, also, for people who are in the, in the book world, um, you know, the, the market changes all the time. What's hot uh-huh. changes all the time. Back when I was on this show in, in uh, 2015, um, at the time, oh. horror books under that name weren't selling. Now they're the hottest thing in mainstream publishing is, is straight up horror. Yep. I mean, even Barnes that, and Noble now has horror shelves. What What do you think yeah. made that change? Finally. I mean, you're you're in, oh, you're in the inside. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things. First of all, you got to know what 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 caused the problem in the first place, and the problem was caused by the fact that more people watch movies then read books and more people will have seen the slasher films and the torture porn films 
than they would have seen, you know, the novels that, that are coming out. So the public perception is that horror is um, uh, misogynistic, needlessly violent, anti-female in, in all its ways. And, you know, that's not horror. I mean, a, lot of, a lot of those types of horror movies were not written by horror people. And it gave that's it a bad true. name. So for years, you put horror on the name of a mainstream big house publishing book uh, because it wouldn't sell. And then what, what changed it is shows like American Horror Story, The Walking Dead, um, and a number of other you know, TV shows plus movies like Insidious, uh, Sinister, um, you know, a whole bunch of different horror films that, that, uh, that came out that just caught the, the imagination of the mainstream, um, legitimized horror again. And um, there, there was this weird conversation a couple of years ago where um, my, my editor calls me up and, and, and he's laughing. Actually, my, I'm sorry, my agent called me up she's laughing. She had gotten off the phone with my, with my editor and he said that, they, uh, that he was, the editor was at a, uh, a meeting with some, uh, uh, what do you call them, uh, marketing execs. Now understand, everyone in marketing is about nine years old. They're all these kids fresh out of college, have no idea what, what the real world is like. Um, and um, they mean well, but they, they just don't know what was happening in publishing before then. And they, yeah. they actually came to my editor and said, look, there's this new genre. It's getting really hot, and I think we should really jump into it. Um, it's called horror. And my <laughs> editor is like, wait, am I being punked? Are you serious? And they're like, yes. So you think you could get your guy, Mayberry, Try his hand at writing a horror novel. What? And, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, after, <laughs> after I won the, just the Bram Stoker Award five times, horror novels. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, so he's keeping a straight face and um, gets off the phone with, with them. Uh, he got on a meeting with them and calls my agent and said, okay, I hope you're sitting down because normally, you know, when they're about to discuss my next book deal, there's a little bit of that, you know, tug of war that goes on between editors and agents. The editor doesn't want, want the book, but they don't want to pay that much money for it. He started off by saying, I'm going to let you pick my pocket because this is what they're offering for Jonathan to write, and I quote, a horror novel. And she cracked up. She's like, wait, 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 what did you just say? He said, I'm, I'm telling you what happened. So they went up very much overpaying me to write um, a horror novel, which I did, Glints, um, and um, then a follow-up, which I did, called Ink, and um, two standalone horror novels, and um, written by somebody who has five Stoker Awards, and, is, and at the, you know, I'm still on the board of the Horror Writers Association, so their lack of, of insight into what's actually in the horror community is, is laughable, but they're check cleared. So <laughs> I mean, it, you've got the extra perk within itself on that one. No. Yeah. Oh my God. So, we just laughed on that one. Are you kidding me? How the hell did you not laugh at them? I yeah. did. I, 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 my editor, you know, he was laughing when he called my agent and, um, you know, he told us what they offered. It was actually more than I was getting for my Joe Ledger books, and they're bestsellers. And she said, uh, they really, really want this horror. And she said, okay, well, I'm going to ask you for more money. And she gave, you know, he gave, she gave 
uh, the editor a, a, a number, and she said, go back to them and see if they'll, what they'll do with that. And he came back and said, they went for it. And we're all like, oh, wow. wow. So at that point, we were one step away from asking for, like, firstborn children and, um, you know, <laughs> to their house for the election. But yeah, we decided I mean, to cut them off and broke the book. Throw in the extra perks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now I'm, I'm reminded that I'm now in the horror world, having written a horror novel. Good <laughs> You've been blowing women up all the time. It's it's just crazy that that this is happening in in the publishing world. But you know what? I'll, I'll take it. They want to pay me that. I'll I'll be happy to take the money. Exactly. Um, and I don't think I. Me personally, yeah, you'll take checks, but you're not selling up because you're already doing what you did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. it wasn't so, as much of a creative stretch as as they probably thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong but, with these people? You, 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 I you don't know. know. Hello. The check cleared. That's all I'm saying. All, all yeah. I have to say is the check cleared. Yeah, I mean that, that's one of those quest things. You don't ask that question. Just make sure the check clears and do what you got to do. <laughs> Yeah, there there is a part of it that yeah. feels like you're driving the getaway car when when you know the the check comes in. It's like, are they going to realize how how silly this all is, and um, <laughs> are they going to want the money back? And my agent's like, pass the check. Like, yes. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about uh, that. Just cast the check, man. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah. I yeah. wrote the hell out of the book. Run. The thing is, once you get hired, you actually then got to turn in a. A top quality product, and I, I, you know, I, I wrote the hell out of out of uh, both those books. They're actually among the two the two favorite books I've written. Well, not nice. well, but, yeah, yeah, yeah believe, wow. believe, I mean, um, I, I, I had a similar thing happen um, with uh, with my uh, Graham How to Clear series, and you know, it's a, 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 very similar, but it's you know more for the fantasy aspect than horror. But I still had to laugh about it. Uh, I had one agent call me up and was like, I loved it and everything else, but, you know, I, I, I could see this more going as Conan. And I'm like, okay, well, now when you say Conan, are you thinking uh, the 1984 Dino De Laurentiis uh, version with Schwarzenegger, or are you thinking like Robert Howard Conan? And all of a sudden she goes, oh, wait, they made books about it before the 80s? I'm like, yeah, okay, no, like never mind. It's great, talk. great talking to you. <laughs> oh, by the way, here, here's here's something also kind of cool and just proof that sometimes life is is just weird. So, my wife's grandfather was the junior partner of a literary agency that represented a lot of the people who wrote for Weird Tales. They were the literary agency for the Robert E. Howard Estate. Oh wow! Yeah, so you know when uh, when he died, uh, Otis, uh, Oscar J. Friend was the, the uh, her grandfather. When he died, all of the paperwork from his office kind of went into a um, you know an attic. And then when her father died, all those papers were going to get thrown out. And I grabbed them and have them. It's all the records from from this literary agency and both. Um, 
both partners, the junior partner, her grandfather, and also the, the owner of the company, um, Otis Alibert Klein, were, were in fact fantasy writers who wrote for Weird Tales. And I have in my possession uh, from, from these documents typescript manuscript, the original type, typewritten manuscript for People of the Black Circle, a, uh, one of the, the classic um, uh, Conan tales. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and cool air by uh, oh my by god, Lovecraft. <laughs> so yeah, got those originals. Oh wow. wow! Yeah, and and then then it turns out I wound wow. up editing weird tales. But life life is weird in in good cool ways, but life is definitely yeah. Weird. I would you know it's over there's a sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Well, Jonathan, this is this has been so awesome. Um, we want to book you again. Do you want to come back? Of course, I want to come back. Oh, thank goodness! Oh. You, you guys, you guys <laughs> honestly, 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 you're you're like one of the most. Everybody respects you. You you're an amazing guy, and I'm trying to say this because we're in the after party now, and we're about to be cut off. And I don't want you to like say a sentence, and then boom, we're cut off. Um, but yes, I would, I would love to. I would love to have you back on, and. We don't have to wait six years. Please don't wait six years this time. No, have have me back on to talk epic fantasy in uh, May. Yeah, because we still got Excellent. a lot to talk about. Uh, Relentless, and you're about to have the, your newest projects, uh, Kagan and the dance. So hey, uh, Nancy, uh, I didn't get a chance. I wanted to ask him some karate stuff, but I I do know that it's getting late. Um, but uh, we, we've had conversations uh, uh, probably at conventions, probably over the phone, I forgot, like 10 years ago, about like Fumio Demura. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I used to be in karate, but it, was, it wasn't like Jonathan, and I never wrote books about it. <laughs> and, I, and it wasn't, you know, no big deal. Stuff like that, just, you know, um, uh, because that kind of fascinates me about particularly uh, you. I mean, you know beyond the fans and stuff. The karate thing kind of fascinates me about you and, and, and that. Um, but uh, uh, before we get cut off and everything, and I know you have a few things to say, uh, Francie, and, and stuff, I, I want to uh, connect with you, Jonathan, if we can – if we can – there's some uh, a couple of things that you said on tonight's show, um, and I think mm-hmm. that uh, it would be really great for – if I could get some advice from you in a personal phone conversation about Halloween for the my Halloween four novelization, yeah. I think that you'd be somebody that that um, could teach me something about that. After all these years, because I'm going through something. Yeah, I'd be I'd be happy to help. Oh, thank you. Yes, I, I'd love to talk to you outside of all this and just you know, just um, uh, and Francie will arrange that something but it you know it's um it's a long-standing thing <laughs> and fans know about it too and I, i'd love a resolution i think you're uh wow um but 
you uh, are actually in charge of the whatever you said about the media tie-ins. The International Association of Media Tie-in Writers. It was founded yeah. by wow. Collins and, uh, and Lee, Lee uh, Goldberg, and I've been the president for about three years now. About wow. three years. That's awesome. Yeah, I think I, I joined yeah, cool. that online like uh, uh, oh, probably several years ago or something, and I, I might still be a member. I don't. I don't even know. But um, but yeah, I, I, I would love some like um, some good advice about that. I've gotten good advice from other people, but I think you'd know better. Well, I'm certainly I'm certainly willing to help. Thank you. Yeah, great. Sure. Just had to interject. Okay, carry on, people. All right, <laughs> yeah. All right uh, Jonathan. I've I've, I've googled you. Let's say if you Googled yourself, where would they find you? Okay. Uh, I'm pretty easy to find if you spell my name right. It's Jonathan <laughs> Nabel. Yeah. Yeah. It's M-A-B. It on... Most people want to put the <laughs> okay. Y in the middle. It's M-A-B. And um, I'm, on, I'm on every social media platform that's out there. Uh, God help me, I'm even on TikTok. I don't know what the hell I'm doing on TikTok when i got an account. And if you, if anyone uh, out there listening is a writer, you can go to my website, jonathanmayberry.com, and there's a whole page of free stuff for writers that includes, you know, a sample of a query letter and um, comic book scripts that I've, I've written to use as, as, as examples of how to write one yourself and all different things. It's all free downloadable PDFs and grab what you need and share them with your friends. Cool. And I would, I, I will tell you, I will tell you this: you're not going to get an administrator. It is Jonathan Mayberry. I know yeah, that. Okay. It's you. You're running all these pages, so you're not going to get an administrator of some catfish out there that's going to say, "Send me your nudes." No, it's you. Yeah. And yeah. if you say send me your nudes, then you know you're not that yeah. you would ask anybody to send the nudes. Oh, by the right. way, I do I do have a message to you uh from Raina Young who's been here filming all day and she wanted to stay here to talk to you but she had to drive a long way and she said Please tell Jonathan Mayberry I love you, and she gave the I love you symbol in the air. Uh-huh. She says, I love you, I I respect you, and I wish I could be here to talk to you right now. Well, so I'll come back for the next time I'm on. Uh, yes, yeah. I, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. So, Definitely yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. And by the way, William and uh, uh, William Raina, Mr. Torture, uh, John Gillette, everybody said they love the key line Kit Kat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad they did. <laughs> that was their message to you. That did, that did. <laughs> She gave yeah, that key lime Kit Kat to all the crew and everybody that came over. <laughs> and then she said your name specifically. Uh, that, wow. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, 
uh, that the long story short on that one, John, Francie challenged all of us to try the key lime Kit Kat, and it's ironic that even though I live in South Florida and it's a southern dessert, I'm not a fan of key lime. So uh, my video reaction of trying the bar was rather comical. <laughs> it sounds That's so easy to me. I'll have to try it. You gotta try it. it it's amazing. One even I, I hit the you. floor, and I was like, "Oh, I did mop the floor," and he just blew on it, and he ate it. And he's the Brazilian guy, and he said, "Oh, I love this candy bar." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of a key lime that, but uh, I'd give it a try. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. 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 Well, so Jonathan, you guys do that. You're easy to Jonathan, if you if you give it a try, tag Francie with it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Unlike Facebook or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, you gotta try it. You know. Yeah. And then in the worst case scenario. I'll, I'll wait till you go live when you have the uh, Ask Me Anything uh, prompt up, and I'll just say, hey, how was that uh, Kit Kat? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, but i got to find one first. Oh. you got to try it. you got to eat. It's, it's amazing. So, Jonathan, I know we still got a lot to talk about, and I would love to have you back on, and I don't want to wait six years. Well, May May tenth is when my fantasy novel comes out, and I have it right there. On, I have it right there on my computer screen. It does say my first epic fantasy book due out May tenth. Cool. Well, I'll definitely come back to that then. All right. I I yes. And we can we, we can talk about anything else you want to talk about when I'm there too. So yeah, this will be fun. Okay. So yeah, I'm, awesome. I'm going to nip off now because sadly I have jury duty at the crack of freaking dawn tomorrow. Oh, I have jury duty. Oh. I mean, yeah, well, doing one's responsibility and all that, but it's getting in the way of me actually writing my book. So well, hopefully they'll be in you my said duty. And the other <laughs> jurors are going to go, that's Jonathan Mayberry. Uh, oh, my God. How often I not get uh, recognized in public. That's not something that happens like <laughs> Well, hey, hey, now, hey. just just remember, bring a notepad and a pen, and uh, you know, in the uh-huh. you know, worst case scenario, you can outline some goodies while you're waiting. Well, I'm going to try to slip my iPad in there and hope, hope they'll let me use that. There you go. That'll work too. Uh, if they let me use it, if not, I'm going to be a very un- unhappy person. <laughs> well, you can always put in uh, your experience in a Joe Ledger novel later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. This this was fun. Thanks again for having me on. You guys are a hoot, and I will talk oh. to you guys soon. Well, thanks for being on. All right. Sounds good. Hey. Thank you. Good night now. All right. We're gonna we're gonna right. send it out with Willie Nelson. up this morning looking for my shoes look behind the trunk found the hesitation blues lordy tell me how long lordy tell me how long will i have to wait will i have to wait can i get you now can i get you now must i hesitate 
a rockin' chair Rock blues overtake me, rock away from here Lordy, tell me how long Lordy, tell me how long Will I have to wait? Will I have to wait? Can I get you now? Can I get you now? Must I hesitate? Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.